This is Anchor Points with Robert Quintana. God wants us to be happy. Every week, helping you discover the answers to some of life's biggest questions. There is a purpose for our lives. And applying them to help you grow closer in your walk with God. Messages straight from the pulpit of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Feel free to discover more like this at AriseForGod.com. Little Betsy had faithfully attended baptism classes. Her mother, wanting to be sure her daughter understood its significance, asked, Honey, what does baptism mean? Well, it isn't the water that makes you clean, she began. Smiling, mother thought, yes, she understands. Then the little girl said, it's the soap. Baptism. A symbolic representation of you repenting, turning away from... Your sins. In other words, the sins of your life are now blotted out. They're removed. It's been around for centuries, yet there's still some confusion over what it is and why it's done. Today, Robert Quintana explains this idea of what it means to be born again of water and the Spirit as he delves deeper in the series with part two of Be Born Again. Well, we're going to dive right on in today. I'd like for you to turn to our scripture reading today, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version today, and it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many of you desire to enter the kingdom of God? So if I ask you if this is an important text, you better believe this is an important text because it's giving you the map, it's giving you the key and understanding of how you can make it into the kingdom of God. Very simple, right? Just be born of water and born of the spirit. Okay, pastor, what does that mean? When well, part one of this series, we talked about what it means to be born again. And basically, it means to give your life to Christ, to surrender to him, to say, God, my life is in your hands. I am trusting in you with everything. That's what it means to be born again. But in this passage, there seems to be a two-phase process to this being born again. It says here 
in verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, phase 1, and the Spirit, phase 2, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, today we're going to look at the first phase. What does it mean to be born of water? In part three, next time we're together, we're going to look at phase two. What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? I remember my baptism by water. It began when I was about 10 years old when I asked my parents, what does it mean to be baptized? And after them telling me that it means to give your life to Christ, I remember saying, well, I want to be baptized. I was fortunate enough to grow up in the church And I learned about some of those great Bible heroes like Joseph and Moses and David, my favorite one. Obvious reasons, he slayed Goliath. But my favorite Bible hero of all was Jesus. I had been taught at a very early age that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I don't know how a 10-year-old mind can, can wrap their minds around that. I'm not sure that it was me wrapping my mind around it as much as it was the presence of God and the love of God engulfing me, just kind of feeling overwhelmed with this love. I read the stories of Jesus. I saw how he reached out to the poor and how he healed the sick and how he raised Lazarus from the dead. And I just kind of fell in love with this Jesus. And I thought to myself, this Jesus is awesome. I mean, talk about a superhero. This is my hero. And so I remember thinking, I want to be like Jesus. And so I asked my parents at the age of 10 if I could be baptized. Well, they thought that was a little too young. So they said, you know what, let's just study a little bit. Let's just kind of think about this. And and maybe in a couple of years, if you're still feeling this way, then we'll let you take that step. Well, my love for Christ only grew that much more. I wasn't discouraged. I just thought, okay, if that's the process, let's just learn some more. And so at the age of 12, I went back to my folks and I said, I really want to give my life to Jesus. I really want to follow in his footsteps. I have fallen in love with him because of everything that he's done for me. And again, how does a 12-year-old mind understand these things? I don't know. I'm, I'm 39 years old and I'm still trying to understand this. But at that juncture in my life, That's what I wanted. I wanted to surrender my life to him. We had an evangelist that came to town and I was baptized at the age of 12 at the first Spanish church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I said in my mind, God, I will please you. I will never sin again. You and me, we're going to be together. Well, You know how promises like that go. We all have our ups and downs and we realize that life isn't that easy. I remember at the age of 18, I was re-baptized for somewhat different reasons, primarily as a dedication of my life into pastoral full-time ministry. Interestingly, the Bible gives us some instructions, and it does give us an opportunity to undergo those moments of reconnecting 
or recommitting or reestablishing that covenant relationship with him. And that is through the practice of foot washing. You might remember that the night before Christ's crucifixion, he was in the upper room. And aside from instituting the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine representing his sacrifice for our lives, he also washed the disciples' feet. Now you might remember when he went to wash Peter's feet, Peter said, nope, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, Peter, if you do not allow me to wash your feet, you have no part to do with me. And so Peter's response was, well, then wash all of me. Wash my head, wash my hands, wash all of me. And Jesus said, hold on, Peter. There's no need to wash all of you. You've already been washed. All there is need to is to wash your feet. You've already been cleansed, but you're just a little bit dirty. So we're just going to wash your feet And so foot washing is like a mini baptism. It's an opportunity for us to recommit our lives to him. And so if you're someone here today, or maybe you're listening to me on the radio, who has been baptized before, but your relationship with God has had its ups and downs, and maybe you feel as though you have kind of strayed away, well then foot washing is an opportunity for you to recommit your life to him. But what exactly does baptism by water mean? What is, what is really behind? What, what's going on here? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, where we will begin to discover exactly what water baptism is all about and why you will see why Jesus makes such a big deal about it. Matthew chapter 3 starting with verse 1. Water baptism really didn't start until the New Testament when John the Baptist brought it to the forefront. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, remember this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now we've talked about that word repent We've talked about repentance in the past. And what repentance means, in case you weren't here, what repentance means literally is to turn around, is to turn, do a 180 degrees. In other words, if you're headed down a wicked path, if you're on a road that you know you shouldn't be on, to repent means to turn from that road and choose the road that God has designed for you. And so here John comes and he says, listen, repent, repent from your wicked ways, repent from that road that you're on, turn away from that road, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, so here Matthew is quoting Isaiah saying that the prophet Isaiah prophesied of this John who would come like the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse four, 
Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Yeah, this sounds like a guy I want to hang out with. You know, if we were to see someone like that today, we would run away, not run to. We would say, this guy's a lunatic. I mean, he is crazy. But you know, there must have been something about what he said. Maybe more importantly, there must have been something about how he said it that would draw people to him. And then once people would come and would listen, they would be moved to do something. They would be moved to literally walk down into the river and allow John to baptize them. And the word baptism has several definitions, but basically it means to be immersed or to be overwhelmed if you're talking figuratively. But here, the understanding is, is that people would go into the water, they would be baptized fully underwater, and then they would come back up. Now, doesn't this sound weird? Think about this weird-looking man wearing camel's hair and a leather belt, eating locusts and honey out in the desert, and all of a sudden, he has this message that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, repent, turn from your wicked ways. And, and how do you do that? Well, just come down into the river, and I'll, I'll dunk you. But there was something about what he was saying. There was something about how he was saying it that was just drawing people to him and they would allow themselves to be baptized by him. Now listen to verse 5 and 6 because they're very important in helping us to understand what water baptism is all about. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins. So now you add another element to this. Not only is he asking people to repent, in other words, to turn from their wicked ways, but he's also asking them to confess, confess their sins, to go before God and say, God, this is how I have sinned. This is what I have done to hurt you. This is where I have erred. So I am confessing my sins to you. Now, we're going to have a little time out. I'm going to interject a few things here, and you might kind of say, well, how is this all connected? But you'll see here in just a few moments. Baptism by water is new to the New Testament. In that, we see John the Baptist baptizing individuals. We really don't see this in the Old Testament. We don't see prophets or we don't see kings or we don't see religious leaders, prophets. We don't see them baptizing people in the Old Testament. However, you know how theologians and scholars are. They're always trying to connect the dots and they're always reading this and reading that. And sometimes they read things, you know, things into, into passages. And, and while some of this might sound like a stretch, I want you to just think about maybe the parallelism that's happening here. There are particularly two events in the Old Testament 
that theologians will point to and say that is symbolic of water baptism. That is pointing forward to the ministry of John the Baptist. The first would be the flood, where planet Earth was baptized by water. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, That's kind of a stretch, don't you think? But think about what's happening at the flood. If it's not a letting go of the past, if it's not a, you know what, we're going to let go of the sins of the past and we're starting new. The second event that takes place in the Old Testament that theologians and scholars will oftentimes say, you know what, that it is somewhat of an allusion to baptism of the New Testament, that would be the crossing of the Red Sea. Now you're thinking, whoa, 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 wait a second. Now, now you're really far off. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and you might start making those connections yourself because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul actually makes that connection with Moses and the people of Israel being baptized. But think about what that represents or what it can represent. If it's not a walking through the watery grave and leaving behind the past, leaving behind Egypt, leaving behind all of what Egypt represented. And now we're being baptized and we are starting new. It is a new beginning for us. It is a a rebirth. We're moving forward. I had a friend that pointed out from this morning's message what Pharaoh and what Egypt represents or or the meaning of those. And it just really brought this even, it, it made it even richer when you think about the meaning of these things. You talk about Egypt and you talk about the, what it means, darkness. And you think about what the word Pharaoh, the name Pharaoh means, the house of Pharaoh. And so here you have this idea that it's a house of darkness. And now Egypt and now the Israelites are leaving this house of darkness and they go through the Red Sea. They're crossing the Red Sea, a baptism, a a new birth. What does it mean to be baptized by water? I'd like for you to turn to several other passages that hopefully you'll start connecting the dots yourself. I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 3. Says this, And he went into all the region around the Jordan. Does this sound familiar from what we just read? And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance. Does that sound familiar? But listen to what Luke adds on. For the, what? Remission of sins. To, to, to just think that as you enter into this covenant relationship with him and you decide to be baptized by water, a symbolic representation of you repenting, turning away from, confessing your sins, and then experiencing the remission of 
sin. In other words, the sins of your life are now blotted out. They're removed. They're nailed to the cross through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Is that not beautiful to think of? Now, some would say, or some would ask, well, wait a second, do I have to be baptized by water in order for that to happen? What, what do you guys think? Yes, no, maybe, not sure. How about the countless of Christians through the ages that have given their life to Christ but never had an opportunity to be baptized by water? Will they miss out on the salvation? Will they miss out on the grace? Of course not. Baptism is something that you are publicly showing everyone that you have decided to accept Jesus Christ into your life. How do we know this? The thief on the cross. The thief on the cross asked Christ into his life and he didn't have a chance to be baptized by water, but certainly his intent, his purpose was to surrender his life to him. And so he will be in paradise with us someday. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. And so when you enter into the watery grave, when you decide to take that step, you are confessing the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to everyone who is witnessing. You are confessing the grace and love of Christ in front of everyone. The Bible says that Jesus will confess you before the Father. So what does it mean to be baptized by water? What does it mean? It means to be justified of our sins. We understand that justification is something that happens when we give our lives to Christ. When we give our lives over to him, the Bible says that we are covered by his blood, that the sins of our lives is no longer held against us, but that Christ has paid for those sins. And so we are justified of our sins. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. Just a few pages over, Acts chapter 10, verse 43. It says this, To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. And so when one is baptized, when you give your life to him, you are proclaiming, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his purpose. I believe in his divinity. I believe in his sovereignty. I believe in everything that Jesus is. And I believe in everything that Jesus has said. I believe in everything that Jesus has said he will do. You're giving your life to him. And when that happens, Jesus says, they're mine. No one, the Bible says, can snatch them out of my hand. The sins of their life I paid on the cross. Their debt has been cleared. I paid for their debt on the cross. You have been justified of your sins. But I've often said here 
that not only does God want to save you from the mess that you're in, he also wants to save you from the mess that you've become. And that is the balance between justification and sanctification. We are justified of our sins. He saves us from the mess that we're in, but he sanctifies our lives. He saves us from the mess that we've become. A two-stage process to this new birth, is it not? So you must be born of water. You're justified of your sins. You need to be born of the Spirit You need to be sanctified of your sins. So I just gave you a little clue as to where we're headed next week. But don't miss this because this is so very important. That when you give your life to Christ and if you have that opportunity to be baptized and to, to confess him before men and you take hold of that opportunity, what is happening is that Jesus Christ is now saying, they belong to me. They are in my care. I have paid for their sins. They are now my responsibility. And the Bible says that he who begun a good work will finish that work in you. You've been listening to Anchor Points with Robert Quintana and part two of his series, Be Born Again. If you would like to hear or share this message and find others like it, you can subscribe to our podcast at ariseforgod.com or by searching Anchor Points on iTunes. You can also follow Anchor Points on Facebook. Now, here's what we're working on for next week. And I think that sometimes we say, God, pour out your Holy Spirit, not really understanding what it is that we're asking for. Next week, Robert Quintana will help clear up any misunderstanding of what baptism is all about as he shares the third and last part in this series, Be Born Again. We appreciate you listening. This program is produced by Word of Mouth Productions in cooperation with Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. And remember, God loves you and wants you to live out his purpose.